I'm going to do something this morning. It's, just think of it like this. It's like robbery prevention training. It's quite easy to get the police in after it, but you don't want to get the police in at all, do you? So we're going to do some robbery prevention training this morning. And I want to start with that, this basic principle that we've been talking about right through Hebrews, and it's this. I'll, quote, I'll actually quote it from Ephesians. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself, but it is the gift of God, so that no man may boast. So you are saved by grace, that's what Christ has done, through faith, that's you believing it and using it. And so what I want you to see is this. Grace alone is not enough. Grace will not save you. Some people get this idea that, that Jesus died and everything's all right. Grace won't do anything for you unless you believe on it and act on it. And that's where people can get it, get it wrong. And, and that's how the enemy can get in to steal. And I'm going to show you this, that in a minute. Now, to receive the inheritance that Christ gave you and to enjoy what Christ gave you, you need the ingredient of faith. And we've talked about that in previous sessions. Now, here's the point. Satan cannot steal grace. Therefore, he has to steal faith. He can't steal grace. He has to steal faith. What do I mean? Well, grace was paid for 2,000 years ago. Jesus provided everything. He did a complete finished work 2,000 years ago. And there's nothing that can be done about that. Satan can't do anything about it. He was defeated. He was beaten. He missed the plot. He put Jesus on a cross. And by putting Jesus on a cross, Jesus won the victory that Satan never wanted him to have. But it was all done, paid for, completed by Christ. Therefore, Satan can't do anything about grace. So what he has to do to rob us is attack our faith. And he's good at it. Now, I said that I was going to talk about what we were going to do after this series on Hebrews. What we're going to do right through to the summer is we're going to do a series, and it's called Be Brave, Trust God. That's your build-up. That's all I'm telling you. <laughs> but we're going to be working on faith. We've talked a lot about grace this year. We're going to be working on faith going forwards. So this smoothly segues into my next thing. You know, got it all planned. Thought it all through. Now, he can't steal grace. He can, however, confuse you about grace. He can, um, he can tell lies about it. He can make it bigger than it is, say that you don't need anything else. Or he can just, well, the, the, typically what he does is he brings a bunch of religious people or two or three religious people right across your path. And he brings them into your life and they, in they come. And they come into your life and they... How can I put it? I'll, I'll try and be kind. They, they basically come in and they take what you've got and they're bringing a little law and they're bringing a little judgment and they're bringing, bringing a little looking down on you and they're bringing a little bit of, I'm better than you and you're really not up to the mark. And all of a sudden you realise that you've got really confused about grace and then you're trying to earn God's favour and you're trying to pay for it yourself. And you're never, ever good enough. You're always failing in their eyes. And then you end up failing in your own eyes. 
What has Satan done? He hasn't stolen grace. He hasn't changed grace, but he's confused you about it. Because he's made you and he's tried to get you to think that you can earn it and you have to earn it from God and you don't because Christ paid for it. So he can confuse you about grace, but he can't steal it. He can't change grace, he can't steal grace, but he can steal faith. That's why Paul uses this phrase over and over again. You've got to fight the fight of faith. What's the fight of faith? The fight of faith is to stay in faith when things look like they're not working. It's to stay in faith when Satan tries to rob you of it. The fight we have against Satan isn't against him directly because he's defeated. The fight we have against Satan is not to believe his lies, not to believe what he's put in front of us, but to keep on believing Jesus. That's the fight of faith. So how does he do this? How does he, how does he come in and how does he rob you? Remember, we're doing robbery prevention training. Just say, I'm not going to be robbed anymore. I might be getting robbed now, but it's, it's all going to change. Okay, you don't seem very excited about it's going to change. It's going to change. Say, it's going to change. You have to believe this. You know, we have the most incredible, exciting news in the world. And we go like, you know, we walk out of church and or we sit in church and it's like, somehow it just needs to explode out of us. We have the most exciting good news in the world. And somehow the enemy has got us to keep our mouths shut, do ourselves down and, and walk around like we carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. Jesus carries the weight of the world on his shoulders. We don't have to carry it. That's why we don't have to worry. We don't have to be anxious because he's got it. You know, we can't sing that, like that, that he's, he's a lion and nothing can stand against him and you move the mountains and then go, God, oh, this mountain's really heavy. Oh, I'm going to tell everybody how heavy my mountain is. It doesn't work like that. We have this fantastic news and the enemy is trying to stop us believing it. He's trying to get us so that we live our lives so that what Christ did for us makes no difference. And the only way he can do that is to get us not to believe God's word. You know, one of the best ways he gets you to believe, not believe God's word? Listen to people who write books about God's word, but they don't believe it either. Honestly, you, you can buy hundreds of books all about the Bible, written by people who've never believed it. Never acted on it, never taken a risk based on it, never stepped out and sit in a little study or a little academic place and write books, never having experienced the power of God in their life, never having seen anybody healed. And they write books saying Christ doesn't heal. Why doesn't he heal? He's never healed through you because you don't believe it. Yeah. Well, I'm here to say God heals and he's healed multiple occasions in this place. Yeah. God changes lives and he's done it over and over and over again. God delivers people from evil spirits. God pe sets people free from bondage. That's what he does. That's his business. Amen. And just because it doesn't happen for you, citing a study where you're writing books that go on bestseller lists for Christians doesn't mean that God has changed. It just means you need to get out of your study, believe God a bit and take a risk. Amen. Amen. Sorry, wait off on one. 
So how does the enemy attack you? The enemy attacks you like this. This is his primary thing. He wants you to get discouraged. He wants you to get discouraged. He, if he came really obvious and he said, well, you know, like Jesus, he wasn't telling you the truth. So you go like, get out of here. But what he does is he tries to get you discouraged. And he does it because he's clever over time. Nobody goes from being great to being down in the dumps overnight. But we do go like that if we don't spot what's happening. And that's the way the enemy works. He wants to put us under pressure. He wants us to get us to give up. To give up what we have. And perhaps, like, perhaps, you know, I would imagine there's some of, some of us here that are sitting here feeling like that at the moment. Like, it's just like one thing too many. One thing too many in my life. I'm just so tired. I'm so, so ground down. I'm so discouraged. When, when is it, when is it going to change? Maybe you feel like that now, but what do you do when you're ready to give up? What do you do when you're discouraged? What do you do when you haven't seen what you're expected to see? And that's, you know, you can get tired of fighting. You really can. Because here's a secret I want you to let you into. As long as this is working, the enemy ain't going to stop. The only way this changes is for us to kick the enemy out. And so as long as we're prepared to let it go on in our life, it will go on. Because as long as it's going on, he's managing to steal, kill and destroy in our life. That's, that's the way it is. So it's not, here's the thing, it's not going to pass. Not unless you make it pass. That's why... A lot of Christians end up spending a lot of their life discouraged, down and depressed because they're waiting for it to pass. And it doesn't. You cause it to pass by believing God. And when, he, when, the, when the, I believe it's Paul, as you know, when Paul is writing to the Hebrews, this is what he's talking about in this passage. Because the enemy's primary means of robbing from you is to batter you and wear you down until your faith gets exhausted. So what do you do? I'm going to give you five pointers. Pointer number one. Well, I'm not going to give you them. They're in the passage, okay? So I'm just going to tell you and make you look at the words in the passage. You know, one of the, the great things I learned when all my years in business, because I, a lot of what I had to do in business was analyze statutes and analyze tax law and all that sort of stuff, one of the great things I learned to do that is read every word. You know, you can't skim read the Bible. It doesn't work. You know, in the days the Bible was written, it was written on scrolls and tablets. Therefore, it's succinct. It doesn't waste words. Every single word is important. So you have to read every word. Most, most of us read it like it's a novel written by, I don't know, Jeffrey Arch or John Grisham. It doesn't work like that. Every, every word is a jewel. And so we read every word. So going back to this passage, Hebrews 10.32. Call to remembrance the former days in which you were illuminated. Principle number one. Remember what has gone before. 
So when, when you're in this place of being discouraged, the enemy's robbing for you, he's having a real go at you, you remember what has gone before. It hasn't always been like this. He, he talks about this when you were first illuminated. Do you remember how you felt the first time you heard the gospel? How you felt on those occasions in your life when Jesus just broke in? When the power of God just broke in or, or when somebody, you know, somebody like me was saying something that was just like throwaway comment and all of a sudden it changed the way you think. It changed the way you look at things. It changed your life. It called illumination. Those, those moments where you, suddenly stuff makes sense and it didn't before. Those moments when God felt, felt particularly close. Those moments where, where you, you, were, you were with him and, and in his presence. And what the Bible is saying is remember what that's like. Remember what it was like when you first got it. Remember what it was like when you were first baptized in the Spirit. Remember what it was like when God first moved in your life. That word illuminated, that comes from a Greek word which is fortidzo. No prizes from dressing, we get our word photography from that. Fatidzo means this. I'll, I'll try and get it exactly. It means to light up, to make visible. Specifically, it's the moment when the blinding flash of light burns the image onto the paper. And Paul's saying, you remember those moments with God in your life. So the first thing when you're down, discouraged, your faith seems at an end, you're ready to give up, it looks like God's not coming through to you. The first thing you do is you remember those moments. Deliberately set yourself to remember them. And it's, that's, there's a real power in that. You might not appreciate You're going, well, well, why do I have to do that? That's history. No, there's a power in remembrance. Because when you remember things, and it's like they come back fresh. And they stir faith. Remembering those things connects again to the spirit of God in you and it stirs faith. Remembering that moment when you were praying and, and the presence of God just filled the place. You remember it and you remember it and you think about it and you mull it over until you are back in that place. <coughs> Remembering stirs faith. It has a power. So the first thing is this. So the, number one way to stop in our robbery prevention training, remember what has gone before. So here's my recommendations to you. If you find you're in this place where you're getting discouraged, where you, you feel like everything's just piling on top of me, here's the best thing you can do. Put it all on hold for a minute. Put it all on hold for a while. Go and get yourself with God. Take time so you can get all the busyness of that stuff out of your head and just let yourself get still before God. And you go, well, oh my, oh, I'm just so wound up and oh, I feel so upset and angry and all that stuff. 
You've got to take that time to let your emotions settle. We need to be a, a, a people who aren't led by our emotions, but we're led by the word of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So we, we've got to take time to let that settle. <coughs> it's, it's not going to happen unless you make that time. And, and these, these are... These are great lessons, but they're kind of hard lessons as well, because if you don't do that, the enemy loves it when you're stressed, tired, just full, like tearful. He loves it. And the only way you can get out of that is to deliberately set yourself to take time to get with God and remember what he's done before in your life and let him stir up faith as he draws close. So that's number one. <coughs> is that helpful? Good. So here's number two. So I've got five helpful things. So that's just one. You got a good deal today. Number two. Number two. Remember, you have seen this tactic before. If not in your life, you've seen it in somebody else's life. Here's, here's something I want, a little secret that the enemy doesn't want you to know. He's never created anything, he's never invented anything, and he's not capable of inventing anything. All he's capable of doing is, is distorting things and doing repeats. And so one thing that we can be really sure of is that the enemy behaves in certain ways and we can see his tactics and we can observe them in our own life and we can observe him in the lives of others. And that's really powerful because when we realise we've seen this tactic before, the next thought that comes along is this. I've seen this tactic before, and I got through that one. That was turned around. That changed. I'm not living with that anymore. It's past. So if that's past, and he used that tactic then, well, he's using the same tactic now. But here's the difference. I'm a bit older. I'm a bit wiser. And what's more, I've seen this before, so I don't have to live with it as long as I did last time. Because I can recognize it for what it is. I can recognize it for a tactic of the enemy. You know, when you receive something, you, going back to that first principle, when you receive something that was life-changing, when you receive something um, that was life-giving, the enemy, if you think about it, you will find that when you think about that, you will remember something where he tempted to rob you of it as well. The two always go together. And if you can see that pattern, then you can be aware of it this time. You see, the problem with the enemy is he's predictable. But he doesn't want you to know that. But he is. Here's what Jesus said. I, I'm just going to take a little diversion back to Mark chapter 4. Really well-known parable. Probably, I guess, in the top three parables of the that people know if they don't know anything else about God. It's called the parable of the sower. Who knows about the parable of the sower? Okay. So Jesus is talking about the man who comes and sows in a field. And I'm not going to teach on, on the whole thing. We, we actually did two whole sessions on this in the Bible school right at the start of it. But I'm not going to do that this morning because you'll all get really hungry. And there's cake and coffee and stuff like that that we want to get to, don't we? And, and prayer and all the rest of it. So I'm not going to do that this morning, but I am going to read this parable. I'm going to start at verse 14 of Mark chapter 4. The, the sower sows the word. 
And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they're here, when they are first illuminated, when that happens, remember, this is the parallel to what has been said in Hebrews. When you were first illuminated, when you got that flash of light, when God first broke in, when the Holy Spirit came into your life, when you got that revelation for the first time, when that happens, my page is flipped over. When, you, when you're here, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word, the, way the word that was sown in their hearts. So Satan wants to attack immediately the minute you get anything with God. Anytime God touches your life, anytime he speaks into your life, the plan of the enemy, predictable as always, he's going to st try and steal it straight away. And the way he'll try and steal it is he'll try and say, nah, nah, you got that wrong. You got that wrong. And he'll send somebody along and he'll say, you got it wrong. And, uh, and he'll send somebody along, he'll try and say, no, nah, you, don't, you don't believe that, do you? You don't need to believe that. You, you can't take God at his word. Or we'll try and confuse you. Jesus explains later on that, that this relates to the fact that we, we re receive the word, but we don't understand it. In other words, we, we don't take and set aside time so we can mull it over and it becomes real to us. So when we get a revelation, the, the, the robbery prevention training is we set ourselves aside time to mull it over and let it become our revelation, real in our hearts, so that the enemy can't steal it. Now, if he can't get you that way, he then has a further predictable tactic that Jesus talks about. These likewise are the ones sown in stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, but they've got no root in themselves and so endure only a short time. Afterwards, when tribulation or persecution comes, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Right, so what are we saying here? Because we're talking about this tactic that the enemy uses, that he uses every time. Jesus says this is the way it happens. This is how the enemy's kingdom works. And this is what he does. His weapon, if he can't get you to just like, like, I don't know, let me give you an example. You hear the word, you go, man, I wish I'd known that all my life. And the meeting finishes, you go and have coffee, you go and have cake, and you go and watch football this afternoon and never think about it again. That's his first tactic. He's robbed you of the word before it even settled in because you didn't set aside time to let it get deep. Now, if you actually let it get deep, his next thing he's going to do is he's going to come along and he's going to attack you with persecutions. And that, that can be all sorts of things. You know, persecutions aren't just like, uh, I don't know, foot soldiers stomping into your room, arresting you and putting you in jail. Thankfully, we, we don't have a lot of that in this country. You know, but... That's, that, that is persecution, but every, at every level, the enemy uses this. I'm going to show you something in a minute that will really get you on this, really get you to understand what the enemy's doing. What it says in that passage, Jesus says, is the enemy sends along persecutions on account of the word, for the word's sake. He's not trying to get to you. He's trying to rob you of the word. He's trying to rob you of faith. He's trying to get you not to believe what God has just shown you. 
And the way he's going to do that, he's going to attack you. And you're going to go, this is just too hard. Every time God shows me something, it's like the world falls in. Well, get wise. The world falls in because the enemy comes to rob you of that word God just gave you because he knows if you believe that word and you act on that word and you step out on that word, it is going to change your life. You are going to have breakthrough. You are going to have victory. And he doesn't want you to have that. And he knows you're going to change other people's lives. And he knows you're going to tell people about this incredible saviour that we have and about the love of our saviour. And he doesn't want that. So what's he going to do? He's going to attack. And instead of going, oh, it's all too difficult, we need a bit of backbone. You know, my greatest fear for the generation we live in in, in the Western church is that we are, we are becoming a generation of Christians without backbone who do not know how to stand in faith, who do not know how to believe God for what he has spoken. And, and we need to be a bit stronger. We need to recognise that the enemy is going to attack. But this is what we recognise, that he who's in us is greater than he that's in the world. In all these things, we are more than a conqueror. In all these things, nothing can separate us from the, the love of God. Greater is he, he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. These are the truths about us. So when the enemy attacks, what do we do? We kick back. We don't roll over. We don't get ourselves like in a little huddle and have a pity party. We get ourselves face forward, spears facing forward, sort the spirit out, and we go to war. Yeah. We don't let the enemy keep stealing because as long as we let him keep stealing, he'll keep stealing. Here's what I want you to see. Paul says at the, the, the end of this, this passage in Hebrews, go back to the Hebrews passage now, Get, getting you like a bit of finger work for you here. He says this, the former days in which you were illuminated, you endured great struggle with sufferings. Partly why you made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations. Now we don't want any of that, do we? But it'll come. It always comes. We live in a fallen world full of sinful people. We sin ourselves. And we live in a creation that is rolling towards an end. These things are going to come. Now, here's this word for great, great sufferings and great tribulations. That word great is mega. That's really disappointing, isn't it? It's not just like great suffering, mega sufferings. In other words, they're not, these aren't going to be light things. I'm sure a lot of us would just like to think, well, I believe in Jesus, therefore I'm just going to drift through life and everything will be, well, there'll be little hurdles along the way, but it's all going to be lovely. No, to get our blessings, to get the inheritance that Jesus paid for us, we're going to have to stand and we're going to have to fight. And we're going to have to fight the faith. And the fight of faith is that the enemy isn't going to rob us by bringing this stuff into our life. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to stay and we're going to stand in faith, persistent faith, because we know we have the victory. And we say, no matter how big these are, my daddy's bigger than your dad. 
Do you remember that in the playground? My dad is always bigger than your dad. Whoever, however big your dad was when you were a kid or whatever, my dad is bigger than your dad. You know, uh, it's like, it's like sending the littlest person in this room into the ring with Anthony Joshua. That's how God's kingdom compares to the enemy's kingdom. You know, we, we'll, send, we'll send one of the kids in the crash in the, in the boxing ring with Anthony and Joshua. It's an old contest, isn't it? That's, the enemy doesn't want us to see that, but that's how it is. Instead, he wants us to have an expectation. Everything will be hunky-dory and we'll just go along nicely through life and never have any challenges. And we go... I wasn't expecting this. I wasn't expecting all this stuff to come into my life. I wasn't expecting to lose my job. I wasn't expecting that to happen. I wasn't expecting that that person would do that to me. Oh, I'm really disappointed in God. No, you're not disappointed in God. You're angry with the enemy because he just tried to rob you. And you stand. Now, here's, here's why it's so important because I've talked about this word afflictions and tribulations, yeah? Here's something really interesting that will help you. Because if you just read that verse in our Bible, you're not going to get this. Because Greek doesn't entirely correspond with what we've got. That word translated afflictions, those things that the enemy is designed to discourage you, pull you down and make you give up, that word afflictions denotes an attack primarily at the mental level. He's not after physical harm. He's not after robbing you of stuff. His primary target is to get you not to believe God. And the way he's got to do that is he's got to change your mind about God. He's got to attack you at the mental level. The word afflictions is pathema. And when you, when you look at what that means, it means mental pressure and suffering that affects the mind. You see, as long as your mind is stayed on God, ultimately you win. So he wants you to get your mind off God and onto what's happening and make your God smaller and stop believing him. So here's my advice to you. This is how this, this pans out. Don't be surprised when these things happen. You don't back down. Instead, you fight back. Be encouraged when these things happen. You might go, well, what's encouraging about that? Well, here's what's encouraging when these things happen in your life. You must be close to breakthrough. You must be close to having seen something that God's deposited in your heart that's going to make a difference to you, those around you, and lots of lives down the line. You've just been shown something that's got the power to change this world. You've just been shown something that's got the power to change your workplace. You've just been shown something that's got the power to change physical bodies because of in sickness and pain. You've just been shown that, so be encouraged. Persecution, affliction, and mental pressure is a good sign. It's a sign the enemy's on the scene. And when he's on the scene, it means that it's only one thing is really happening. He is panicking. Because he knows if you get it, if you know who you are in Christ and the power of God in you, his kingdom is in trouble. And he is in a panic. And that's why he's attacking you. 
So recognize it for what it is. Point number three, the quicker now. You know, uh, first time I saw uh, anybody healed was back in my university days. I, I just started to understand about baptism of the Spirit. I just read this book. And in this book, this, um, well, Anglican, I suppose, in the UK, but he's an American pastor called, they're called Episcopals, Episcopal pastor in America. And, he, and, he, and he's been praying for people and they're getting healed. And I read this and I thought, oh, I, c- I can do that. So I started praying for people. And the first person I prayed for was a, a, a girl on my course. She was, a, a, you know, some of you heard me tell this story before. She was, she was tall. She was called Sally. So we called her Long Tall Sally. It was obvious. And uh, she had a, a twist in her spine. So she was in pain all the time. So we prayed for, I, I prayed for that. It's the first time I ever prayed for anybody to be healed. And as I prayed, I felt this spine actually move and straighten under my hand. And she never had pain again. And her spine was absolutely straight. Now, I was like, whoa, God, this is absolutely amazing. You've shown me this. I've done it. It works. Amazing. What's the first thing that happens? The first thing that happens is I explain this to a Christian who I respect, who's, who's mentored me as a teenager, who'd mentored me way young. And the first thing he says, he said, oh, that's great. It's great that they got healed, but that's not the spirit of God. That's another spirit. God doesn't do that these days. And, then, and, and so I'm, I'm, and I was stupid enough to think, well, he knows what he's talking about because he's been to Bible school. You know, he, he, went, he went to training college. You know, he must, I, I must have got it all wrong. And then, and then you know, every, I'd, I'd play for people and I was still seeing some healings. But then just like, I think everybody in the entire UK crawled out the woodwork to come and tell me that God didn't heal. And he didn't, he didn't want to heal. And suffering was part of his plan so that people just booked their ideas up. And it was a good thing. And, and you go like, whoa, I'd never, ever met any of those people before in my life. And it never, nobody had ever said that to me in my life. But the minute I start seeing healings, they're everywhere. Yeah. Why? Because he's panicking. Point number three, you have what you need to win. Knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Okay, there's two ways you can look at that verse. Both are equally valid. First one is we're all going to heaven one day. So that what, was, what we're dealing with on earth pales in comparison to the joy that's set before us. That's one way. But here's the other truth, and we've looked at this earlier in this series, that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. <laughs> the, the reality of heaven and the reality of earth became aligned when we believe. They became aligned through what Christ did. And so we have available to us everything we need. Not only uh, because we have the Spirit of God inside us, but also because we have all these heavenly realities that are fact and are unchangeable. We are forgiven. We have Christ's righteousness. We are declared right before God. We have open access to the presence of God. We are seated with God in heavenly realms. You know, we have an enduring possession for ourselves in heaven. Well, where are you seated? Well, I'm seated here, but I'm also seated with Christ in heaven. I have access to both realms. Therefore, I have everything I need. I know that's the deep bit for this morning's sermon, okay? It's it's like the deep bit. That's, you know, you have to get your mind around that one. Don't let the enemy steal that one. But here's the point. Faith operates on things which are not seen. 
before you see, you are going to have to believe. You don't see because you don't believe. You have spent 18, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, and more years of your life being taught by people who don't know what they're talking about that you can only believe something when you can see it. And the truth is, you have to believe it before you see it in the kingdom of heaven. Because all you will see is the attack. All you will see is what's happening right now. All you will see is what's going on. You won't be able to see the victory in the physical yet. So you have to believe it's there and it's yours. And you have to keep believing even when you can't see it until you do see it. Do you, do you understand that? It's a really simple principle, but it's, I think it's the one that we fail most on because we end up looking at everything around us and going, it's hopeless. Instead of looking at God and saying, these things are subject to change. We give up too soon. Point number four, do not cast away your confidence and give up too soon. Excellent segue. <laughs> Brilliant little nugget, Cheryl. Point number four. You know, our job is to keep our eyes on the blessing that is ours through Christ. Our job is to keep our eyes on the inheritance that we have in Christ. When you have God's blessing and favour on your life, you do not need anything else. God's favour and blessing on your life, he's spoken favour over your life, which you have as a believer, is a powerful thing. It's a powerful force in your life. The enemy wants you to believe you haven't got it. But in my Bible, it says that Jesus became a curse for us so that the curse of the law was taken away and instead we inherit the blessing of Abraham. What was the blessing of Abraham? Abraham was blessed in all things. It's the blessing and favour of God that rests on his life. And now I'm grafted into that blessing. Along with faithful Jews of the Old Testament and the New, I am grafted into that blessing. It's mine. The blessing and favour of God rests on my life. So I've got what I need. It's called the blessing and favour of God. And as long as I, I know I've got that, then things will change. But they don't change immediately. And here's our next problem. Here's the next thing that the enemy is able to rob us of. Why he's able to rob us. Because we live in a McDonald's culture. We live in a McDonald's church world where everything is about the consumer and laying it on for the consumer. I don't know if you've realised this, but, but the way the, the enemy tries to make us very consumer-focused and, and, and making everything so that we don't like, offend anybody and don't upset anybody and don't, say, don't, don't do anything, you know, ultimately, if you don't upset anybody, you don't offend anybody, you don't say anything. Not anything that's any use. You only tell people what they already know. And they'll all agree with you if they already know it. But it's not helpful to them. They need to know what they don't know. And because we live in this consumer church society that we've created in the West, what we're doing is we're producing a mentality that says it's a bit like McDonald's. I go there, they provide what I need, and I expect it right here, right now, or I'm going somewhere else. 
Well, that's not going to teach you to stand in faith. That's just going to teach you to church hop. It's going to teach you that all that matters is you've been entertained and everything being made all right on a Sunday morning. If it's not all right, then it's not your fault. It's God's fault and he didn't do it. No, here's the issue. Faith requires endurance. The enemy does not give up overnight. He doesn't give up just because somebody preached a good sermon one Sunday morning. He doesn't give up because you had a good time in worship. It needs endurance. That's why he says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. What's cast, cast away? Here's, here, I love this. The word translated cast, cast away means to throw away like consumable trash. To throw away like consumable trash. Christianity and church is not meant to be consumer trash. It's meant to be solid, valuable stuff. Because what he says, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Some translations say, which has great value. Your confidence in Christ is the most precious thing you have. That is where value is. And so as, as believers and as, and as church and as, and as people of God, what we want to do is invest in building up value. And what's the value we want to build up? Confidence in Christ. Here's the trailer for the next series. Be brave, trust God. Or be confident in God. Be brave, trust God. We want to work on confidence in Christ. Because remember, right at the start of this, I said that's the thing, the one thing the enemy's trying to steal. Here's my last point. Point number five, same as, similar to the last one, I really want to emphasize it. Though. Cultivate patience. Cultivate patience. Now, you've already gone, man, I'm so impatient. <laughs> this is a tough one. I don't like this one. But it's the only thing that will enable you to get through to see the victory. Why is that? Because faith doesn't always produce instant results. The most common experience of believing God is it takes time to see change. We just want to get prayed for at the front and everything to be all right. But the most common experience, that, I'm not saying God doesn't do that. Sometimes he does. does it lots of times. But the most common experience is it takes time to see change. Why? Well, I don't like to admit this, you know, being a highly trained person. But there are things that I don't understand. I know you're going to find that difficult. But I think if you're honest with yourselves as well, you're going to say there's, thing, there's some spiritual things, some spiritual dynamics you don't understand. There's stuff we don't understand. The world is extremely complex. People are extremely complex. All sorts of different factors into play. And sometimes for God to get your answer to you, he has to shift a whole lot of things, not only in the spiritual realm, but in the physical realm. And it takes time. 
And in that gap is where the enemy will come to rob you. The enemy loves the gap between the belief and the answer. And the last thing he wants you to do is stay in belief throughout the gap until you see the answer. Because he knows if he can get in there and he can rob you of it and get you to lose your patience and walk away, he's won. But he is encouraging back. We are not of those who draw back to be destruction to destruction. We are not of those who draw back and get robbed by the enemy. We are those who believe to the saving of the soul. You are not wired to give in. Let's stand up. I want you to say that with me. I am not wired to give in. I'm not backing down. I'm not stopping now. I'm not giving up. I am not just surviving. I'm not just surviving. I am thriving. All things in my life are subject to change. And I'm going to believe God till I see them change. So enemy, back off right now. Because I'm coming for you. Let's give Jesus praise. Thank you, Lord. Now, what are you going to do? You can have coffee and cake, but then you need to go home and let some of this stuff get inside. You need to make space to be with God. You need to determine in your heart you're going to believe what he says. And then you trust him. And that'll take some bravery. But you've got it. You have what it takes. You have what you need. Amen? Amen. Amen. Five points. Okay. Number one. Remember what's gone before. Remember the times you illuminated, enlightened, God broke in, all the rest of it. Point number two. The enemy's got nothing new. You've seen this tactic before. Point number three. I'll just say them exactly as I had them. You have what you need to win. Point number four. Do not cast away your confidence like trash. It has great value. Point number five. Cultivate patience until you see the answer. Amen.